0: race is on and it looks like heartaches and the
1: winner loses all. Hello and welcome to the In the Ring Pedigree podcast. It's been a minute. I'm your host, Peter Thomas Fornital, back with you in the Brooklyn bunker where I have been uh, Pretty much nonstop for the last uh, 16 days since getting back, uh, coming back early, unscheduled from that trip to the United Kingdom. We did want to get a show out to you all. Not sure how consistently we'll be doing in the rings in this crazy time. But from time to time, we are going to put out shows. And this one would not be possible without the help of the woman I am about to introduce. We'll explain the format in a minute. But for right now, say hello to our correspondent, Naomi tucker Naomi, how are you doing, my friend?
0: Hi, Pete. I'm doing well, sort of as well as one can be during these challenging times, but I'm doing well.
1: You are in Maryland still?
0: Yes, correct. I'm currently still in Maryland and very fortunate to still be doing some work for the Maryland Job Club. They've been really good. And frankly, to keep me going because based on my visa and sort of regulations, I can't plan for unemployment like some of the other people and also know that do I want to. It's, it's a very tough time and there's been a lot of people that are currently on some kind of a break because we are not racing, so it's been tough. But they got me to do some other little jobs, just just scanning horses that are coming into the stable gate, little things. So I'd be, I'm able to still catch up with people and things like that, albeit on a nice six feet distance
1: yes but of course no, okay. <laughs> did you consider going home i mean was there any part of you that thought that you know with the 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 uncertainty about maryland racing right now and what what you were going to be able to do professionally with its cessation did you think about uh, heading for for potentially greener pastures or were you uh, or were you committed to, to riding it out for the long haul well i did think about
0: going home that one of the things that kind of goes through your mind. And I speak with family all the time. I mean, it's not, it's not that great currently in the Netherlands either. They're dealing with the virus as well and all the very strict regulations. My mom and my brother are together in our home, the home where I grew up with, uh, quarantining together. So that should be fun. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, of course, I, I, I speak to them all the time and my family would love to have me home. So it's been something that has weighed heavy on my mind over the last few weeks as well, because you mentioned there is no race. So currently, unfortunately, I can't do the job I love every day like I did before. It feels like a different life from before. It's, it's so weird. You appreciate so much more what you do on a daily basis when all of a sudden everything kind of falls away. So it, it is tricky. It is challenging. I'm not going to pretend that I'm sitting here breathing through it, but I know that there are so many people that are in similar situations and possibly a lot worse up than I am right now. So I really can't complain.
1: What do you think about the future of Maryland racing? Does it just seem that the governor there is committed to uh, having it ceased? indefinitely or is there any path as we've heard in the uh, in some other states i don't know if you saw but aiden butler on the fox show over the weekend sounding optimistic that they might be able to get back to a situation where they can race behind closed doors do you see any way that might happen in your state
0: i do think we could get back to racing behind closed doors i don't think It can be the short timeline that Aiden is proposing for California, which, my God, I hope that it works out for them, because that would be amazing, you know, him speaking about everyone that's affected by it. This is obviously the case around the country when it comes to all the racing cultures and racing economies and every single backstretch. So for us to be able to get back, that would be brilliant. I think we will be able to at some point, but not in next few weeks. Um, I know that the governor here, Larry Hogan, he does look upon racing favorably. And I know that Sal Sinatra has got a good relationship with him and has been able to discuss a lot of sort of the proceeds how how moving forward. But, of course, I can't predict when we're going to come back. But I am positive that we will. I'll be not on the short timeline that we'd all like to see.
1: Well, we'll keep our fingers crossed for that, and hopefully we'll be kept posted by you and uh, and other sources about that project, because I've just found it to be an amazing distraction during this time. How much racing have you been able to watch?
0: I still, every time we have the nice race on, of course, Gulfstream being on right now is a major great distraction and I was actually looking at the races for tomorrow as well what Golden Gate uh, Golden Gate Fields, and Golfing Park because you guys have that handicapping contest coming up and that's chance, right I'm <laughs> This is
1: going to be great. And then I just read the email that Golden Gate. Breaking news. Yeah, breaking news. Same thing that happened to Santa Anita, the local health department, which I don't know, feels like an overreach to me when the governor's office has clearly signed off on it. But hopefully the path to get Golden Gate back will be similar to the Santa Anita path. And don't worry, we are going to be doing the contest still. We're going to move it up. And we'll run it with Tampa races and Gulfstream races. So it hasn't been finalized, but for folks that want to get involved, it's for the benefit of charity, a $20 buy-in. The full rake is getting donated to the Thoroughbred Retirement Foundation And the TAA, the Thoroughbred Aftercare Alliance, we're going to start around 3 o'clock on Friday, virtual uh, handicapping happy hour type deal. And we'd love for everybody to get involved. You can sign up to play on horseplayers.com. Of course, you can just, if you can't make it, you can give to those charities directly and watch the replay of the show. But we will be doing a live broadcast. And hopefully, Naomi, if you're not too busy, if you can uh, play along, it would be fun to have you in the mix there.
0: Oh, that would be awesome. I, I am planning on playing along because I remember I watched your guys talking about all the horse and the races last week on the live feed on Facebook and I sat there being incredibly jealous. I was like, why <laughs> did I not play?
2: <laughs> I enjoyed
0: it so much. It is such a great combination of distraction, of sports, of basically, it's everything that we need right now. Giving money to charity, being sort of together whilst we're still apart, doing something we all love. I said that thing. This is great. I'm competing next time. This is on. That's great.
1: So we'll get you on. Maybe we'll even drag you in for a video appearance if we can. So keep that in mind. And folks who want to watch, we'll send that link out via Twitter um, at at looms boldly over there. And it will be on the breeders cup facebook live page again if you want to play you can find details at horseplayers.com or just check my twitter feed and you'll see all right let's talk about this show we were sort of brainstorming over text the other day and we had an idea to talk to a jockey a trainer and an owner about how these current trying times are affecting their businesses for the first two you were on the case naomi tell us about who you found and give us a little preview
0: I got the chance to speak to young, very successful up-and-coming trainer, Lacey Godet, and one of our leading riders in Sheldon Russell, and I've had the pleasure of having them both on these shows before, talking sort of about what they're doing in their lives, but this time, of course, completely different backdrop, and just asking them, how are they coping? What is their routine like? What has changed? What are they struggling with? So It's a real pleasure to get the chance to see what they're doing, because in a way, it's kind of everyone's doing something different or at home or not. Some people are still working. And we all kind of want to see how is everyone else doing? What are they doing? And, and what are their challenging points? And how can we support each other? So I really enjoyed chatting with them. I and with Lacey, Lacey and I used to go out uh, and have a drink, like have a bit of wine, but of course now we can't. So the first thing I had to ask is, you know, how's the wine cellar going?
1: <laughs> excellent, excellent. Well, <laughs> I know, it was great. We'll look forward to that. Be, Those will be the first two interviews you hear, and then we're going to wrap up the hour. It'll be close to an hour, I think, maybe 45 minutes. We'll see. With me talking to another person who's been on these airwaves before, Gary Fenton. Of Little Red Feather to get an owner's perspective. And he, of course, has a prominent role at the CHRB. So I'm sure we'll touch on some of that as well. So uh, without further ado, Naomi, I'm going to throw it to you. And uh, which one of these should we run first?
0: Ooh, I say let's run Lacey first because that's a bit more informal, like I just queued it up. Perfect. And I did with children, so.
2: All
1: right, here we go right now.
0: Lacey
2: Godette joins me here and unfortunately we're not at one of our fancy bars that we like to go and drink wine and bourbon because right now we have to practice some social distancing which has been boring to say the least. Uh, how's your wine stuff going?
3: Uh, I actually got a... Del- my delivery came yesterday, but nobody was there to sign for it, so I have to hurry up and get home today so that I can sign for it before they leave again because I finished my last one yesterday, so a desperate desperate need of oh. that order.
2: I have never drank so much wine on my own at home <laughs> since the quarantine <laughs> measures are in place. So it's been um, tricky, but talking about changes, how is the outbreak of COVID-19 affected your training regime?
3: Um, a little bit. We uh, Because we're early mornings, uh, We our, our schedule hasn't really changed. I still get home, get to take my nap in my house, and then go back out and do farm work in the afternoon. I don't like to run errands anyways, so I try to make as few stops as I can going home, so this is a great excuse. Um, so, yeah, not much has changed here. Uh, my clients have been really calm and um, are, you know, just looking forward to the future and um, being prepared that if and when we, we do start up, I mean, I, hopefully it's early stages now, so they're they're still okay with seeing how this kind of plays out for at least another month, obviously it looks like maybe two months now, um, but some of the horses, we're, we're kind of doing training intervals, we've got two round pens, so we're turning horses out, um, training every other day or something like that. As, as you saw in the last set, some of the horses are getting a little, a little sharp. But um, they, you know, they get bored if they don't do much. They, they do enjoy training. So a few of them are enjoying uh, getting out in the round pen and not having much to do and, and laying back. But other than that, it's, it's pretty normal. Other than the few precautions that we've done with the, uh, with the humans in the, in the barn. But the horses are the same.
2: Do you have any owners calling you that are worried about the imminent future, asking when are we going to race again, or?
3: Most just ask questions. Um, You know, same thing. How are you guys dealing with it? How are the horses doing? What do you guys expect? And, you know, about two weeks ago, I said, look, let's just stay, you know, stay calm for two, three weeks and see what happens. We, before we stopped, we had a lot of horses claimed and, um we lost all the horses that had been in a regular regime so a lot of the horses that we have in are young horses or turf horses that were just coming back so they'll need a month to two months to get fit and ready um so you know everybody's kind of calm with that if we can get back up in a month or month and a half i think that we will be fine but if it you know if it gets to if it gets through a month and a half and we're still looking at what ifs or whens then i think people will you know really start to panic because it's it's not cheap to keep horses in training so you know i i do i i, I thank my owners for kind of just going day by day and and sticking with it and see how long uh, we go through this
2: so we'd all wish we had a crystal ball being able to see into the future when we will get started again you mentioned young horses coming in have you got any two-year-olds that are in at present
3: uh i don't have any two-year-olds in yet um we have a few that are get finished and getting virginia certified so they're through like uh the second or third week in april and then we um had a couple horses in ocala but one out of the obs sale that actually did get to happen um and we gave him some time so other than that we have we, we we're kind of not looking to bring anything until april 1st anyways so um we just kind of pushed it back 10 days so
2: have they been named already
3: um, a couple of them, the uh, the Bourbon Courage's that we've had have kind of had some fun names. So we do have a Double Barrel Bourbon, which Dave Rodman will really appreciate when he gets <laughs> over there, I'm sure. And um, the other one is also by Bourbon Courage, and her name is Half Hammered. So pretty, uh, yeah, fun, fun naming. Uh, the our owners are, are pretty good at, at picking out some good names for them, so uh, they'll be fun to have over there.
2: They also seem very appropriate in yeah, relation yeah, to what Kirby yeah, is going the, on. The,
3: there's definitely no shortage for um, bourbon or uh, alcohol names for the for the bourbon courages. So it's been fun to have a have a couple of those come through.
2: I was gonna suggest a few. I feel like I have too much time on my hands, so I started to think about potential two-year-old names. I went wine for all, get me out of here, next level Netflix. <laughs> things like that you know just letting you know
3: i'm sure yeah i'm sure there'll be uh, plenty of good names that come out in the next uh five to six months with this with this crop that'll have some good uh you know some some good puns to them
2: yeah i definitely think a lot of people are doing a lot of different activities than they did before possibly going for walks or even being creative what have you been doing whilst at home?
3: Nothing creative. <laughs> no, we've been catching up on some uh, on some house stuff. Uh, you know, um, we've plus we have the farm and things like that. So we've just kind of been keeping busy outside and um, reorganizing a lot. So we have a lot to do, and then you you lack motivation. But you know, like I said, we're still here in the morning, and we still do this. So we're still at the barn until 12:30, one o'clock in the afternoon. So a big chunk of our day is still taken up. It's just kind of hard to see all these horses training so well and then watch them sit in their stalls all afternoon. So, um, you know, the afternoons, uh, are, are a little boring without races. I don't know. Well, uh, Florida Derby day was the last day that I looked at PPs and I felt like an absolute fiend, like handicapping and betting, which I don't, usually have enough time to sit down and really watch races and see how a race is going to unfold so it was fun to have that time and it was such a great card I mean just unbelievable races that day so um at least it was a good uh I guess end taste for you know to to kind of hold us out for a little bit but um but yeah it's definitely getting getting boring not you know this 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 industry and this job is consuming so when it's not there it's you know it's too cold to go out on the water to have a boat or anything like that um so you know, a few walks with the dogs, but not much.
2: Plus, how many people would you be allowed to have on the boat in the first place? Right? Yeah, with
3: two, with two, fine. I mean, we're in the house together anyway, so you know, we can we can do that. But um, but yeah, just anything else to, to get out. Uh, I think I think my sister Gabby went uh, paddle boarding yesterday. So apparently, the prices in Florida are pretty good on that right now. So. <laughs>
2: That sounds like a pretty good activity. Talking about being at home with your significant other, how are you and Johan doing? Are you killing each other just yet or is it going okay?
3: Not yet, not yet. Um, You know, he's he's a jockey, so this is hard for him. He's watched a lot of replays um, and I know he's done a lot of facetiming with his other friends that are jockeys too and they kind of you know see if their face can still fit in the facetime screen and how far away the phone has to be from their face um but you know they're just holding steady i mean he's out here been working every morning um and uh, just keeping himself busy and fit, and he's got a lot to, uh, you know, they they do work out a lot, so he's just changed that routine from the gym or the jocks room to the house, and he has an equizer, the wooden horse at home, and he, you know, he's down there switching sticks and, and things like that, um, you know, working up a sweat, so he's uh he's definitely raring to go to get back to to riding races you know them too i mean jockeys don't this 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 industry consumes them so they don't really have much else that they can do i mean it's not like they can go play basketball together and really go hang out you know i mean if they all go and play together at least it'll be a level field right? yeah yeah exactly exactly
2: Well, thank you so much, Lacey. I'm hoping that at some point we'll be able to get together again and talk racing in a normal environment. Yeah, we
3: miss sitting in our in our box with our glass of wine uh, for the last, you know, for simulcast the last couple of races. So hopefully we can get back to that soon. We'll definitely have to get back in that routine
2: again shortly. Thank you so much.
3: All right. Thank you, Naomi.
2: Sheldon Russell joins me again. This time also you've got Edie with you.
4: I've got my little partner in crime here this morning.
2: Because unfortunately due to the recent outbreak of COVID-19 I'd say your responsibilities have shifted ever so slightly haven't they Um, yeah
4: you could say that Um, obviously I'm not really coming out every morning like I was before Um, so my main goal is really you know just to take care of of Edie and let Brittany my wife you know take care of the barn and make sure that's still up and running Um, but you know it's everyone's going through it so I'm just trying to do my part and one good thing is I, I get to watch her, her grow up. So I've taken a little step back. Obviously, if Brittany or some other trainers need me to work horses, I, I'll come out here. But I, I try and limit it. Like Obviously, I'm not as busy as what I used to be.
2: Yeah, because have you been riding work often, or as you mentioned, not I would not say, you know, normal? just like
4: one or two days a week, you know. Um, and to be fair, not many trainers are actually working horses. I feel like some other trainers are just taking it easy and just sort of keeping their horses at the fitness fitness that they she's obviously not helping um (laughs) you'll find like a lot of the trainers aren't really working horses right now they're just sort of keeping the fitness them horses were at before we had the the setback
2: with racing being postponed indefinitely does that worry you in a way in terms of your income and your livelihood and your career i'm assuming that it's challenging
4: yeah obviously you know it's it's tough for everybody but as you know, you know, if us jockeys aren't riding, we're obviously not making any money. So, um, you know what they say, you know, save for a rainy day. Um, I'm lucky enough to to be able to sit at home, but I'm sure it's tough for some guys. Um, but right now we're all in the same boat and we're just hoping that this passes and we all can get back to work as safe and as soon as possible.
2: Any gut feeling on when that might be?
4: You know, a lot of people ask me that. Um, I have really no idea. Um, as long as it's safe and everyone's healthy, that's the main goal. I mean, you see on the news and you can read the posts on Twitter, you know, it's, it's a very serious outbreak, so hopefully we can, you know, control it and they can contain it and everyone can get back to work and, you know, everyone can get back to doing what we love.
2: Yeah, I for one would love to get back yes. to broadcasting as well. Um, In the meantime, have you been in touch with any of the other jockeys? Are you sort of supporting each other or exchanging tips on what to watch on Netflix?
4: Um, Yeah, (laughs) I mean, I keep keep in touch with some of the close friends, obviously. My valet, Bobo, um, you know, Fogel. They're just just phone calls away. Um, Obviously, I see a couple of the jockeys out here. And you go from seeing them every day to seeing them, you know, once a week. So it's almost like we have something to talk about. Unfortunately, now all we talk about is what we're watching on Netflix, and this this new show, Tiger King, or Ozark, but um, um, it, it's, it's okay, you know, as long as we're all safe. Uh, you know, it's a shame that there's no racing, but you could look all across America, everyone's dealing with the same thing, so right now we're just all trying to deal with it, and um, um, you know, just trying to make sure that um, we get back up and running soon
2: talking about tiger king uh, the in the money players podcast guys have mentioned the show before now i haven't watched it yet so is it good am i missing out here
4: well i have so much time on my hands i think there was only seven episodes i think i managed to roll through about five in one day um it's definitely worth watching i think what you watch on tv when you have more time at home changes so I sort of just jumped. I just jumped on the bandwagon, and I, I just saw that everyone was watching it on Twitter. So I just turned it on, and I'm, I guess I'm one of those people. I, I'm a Tiger King fan.
2: <laughs> I'll definitely have to tune in so I know what you guys are all talking about. Any other creative or interesting hobbies that you've picked up now that you're at home?
4: No, just trying to. You know, obviously, gives you some time to take care of the house. Um, we've got three dogs at home, so. Um, you know, spending time with them, I spent time with the EDM. Yeah. Honestly, uh, to be honest with you, the house has never been cleaner. Uh, laundry is all caught up, so, you know, all we got to do now is get back to work. Um, the house is, is all up and running smoothly. Um, there's nothing else we can do around there but just uh, get through the week, I guess.
2: Well, I bet Brittany's loving having you at home. Yeah,
4: it's something I'm not going to get used to, but I guess I have no choice right now, so take care of Edie and I just take care of the house and I allow her to take care of her barn. I mean, she still has 20 horses there. She still has six grooms. And I mean, that's what's more important is just to keep the help that you have and keep the horses out and training. Uh, You know, we'll get back to work eventually. So as long as her barn is up and running and everyone's happy, then that's more important thing to me.
2: I very much hope I'll get the chance to catch up with her soon as well. Hopefully at the racetrack with some of our horses running, the Maryland Jockey Club has implemented some new regulations, so to speak. Uh, how have you noticed, for example, when you go into the stables, or what is different now than it was before?
4: Obviously, they've, you know, they've got the security coming through the main gate. Obviously, they're checking temperatures, and they're trying to do the right thing, and it's probably, it's, it's probably right. You know, they're trying to take extra precautions i know and i'm sure all the barns are the same way you know they try and keep their distance um try and keep everything as clean as possible Um, so i feel like you know laurel park and all the barns around here are doing the right thing and everything they can do to to keep it safe and healthy so you know it's, it's it's nice to see but at the same time you know everyone's like i'm not really trying to come here every day so i'm trying to do my part as well Unless I'm I'm really needed. And like you'll see, there's not many agents or many jockeys out here. Um, You know, I I just think they're doing the most that they can do right now.
2: Yeah. Noted as well for listeners, uh, Sheldon, Edie, and I are about six feet apart, really trying to take this social distancing as serious as possible. And Sheldon, thank you so much. And I really hope that we can all get back to doing what we love doing.
4: Yes, you're welcome. I appreciate it.
1: Thank you so much, Naomi Tucker, for those interviews. And now, as promised, we're going to bring in a man I could introduce in so many ways. He's an accomplished contest player, an accomplished owner with Little Red Feather, uh, very active, of course, with the CHRB, knows the game from a lot of different angles. Gary Fenton returning to the In the Money Airwaves. Gary, busy day?
5: Uh, just a little bit, Peter. Thank you for that wonderful introduction. I always like to say, of all the things, I'm, I'm a great father, but all of, all the things you just mentioned. I think being a accomplished contest player, well, I don't think it's true. Was probably <laughs> the thing that that made meant the most of it.
1: Right now. We have qualified for the <laughs> NHC on a number of occasions, and that's not nothing. Let's cut right to the breaking news from today about the at least temporary, he says optimistically, cessation of racing from Golden Gate Fields now I haven't even read the whole story the gossip I heard was that this was another instance of a local health department getting involved uh, at, w- with something which to me uh, frankly feels like a bit of an overreach with something that the governor's office had, had sort of already rubber stamped to continue what's going on at Golden Gate and, and what do you think of my view of the situation am I being, uh, am I being narrow about it or maybe I'm onto something yeah.
5: I, I, think you, you, you might be on to something. Uh, I can tell you this is such breaking news that I don't even have the full facts yet. I, I, got a text this morning, um, from Strana Group head Craig Fravel, um, that, 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 things were in motion. So I don't have all of the context yet. Uh, we're jumping on a call in a little bit to go over, over everything. It does appear to be similar, uh, to the order, uh, that, that shut down temporarily Santa Anita coming from the county health department. Um, but I'll have more information later today.
1: What's your opinion about it? On just shooting from the hip, you know, you're among friends here.
5: Yes, just me and you here. Um, <laughs> I can I can tell you that uh, from from what we understand with the context, of, at least the Santa that I can tell you from, and again, I don't I don't have any facts yet to back this up. But the local, from what I understand, uh, and we're and we're I think we're going to look into this a little bit further. Uh, local county. Um, <clears throat> Uh, health department got calls uh, regarding whether uh, Santa Anita should be operating or not operating during this time. Uh, the local county health inspector uh, called Santa Anita. Uh, they had some very productive dialogue about about uh, Santa Anita and and whether they were an essential business or not. And I thought things were, were hopeful, uh, but in the end, the, the local county medical examiner uh, made the determination that they were not, and they sent an order uh, to cease the racing operations, not the morning operations.
1: Yeah, I just don't get it. I mean, I get it feels like it's become a political football. You know, we're seeing this difference in states between the level of how seriously things are being taken, and I just feel like racing is its own animal, if you will, with the fact, to me, the fact that so many of the people who need to make the show go in the afternoon are already there in the morning. It doesn't feel like the pressing health issue that the folks complaining about it are making it out to be. It's hard to wonder if it isn't people who have an ax to grind with racing over other things. Is that a fair assessment?
4: Um,
5: that is what I'm hearing, Peter. I, 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 that, that is what we're hearing. And, and I can tell you that when, when I say uh, I know some people that are looking into it, The way that they're looking into it is, I I, I believe, through the Freedom of Information Act, we can get copies of emails that were sent to the LA County Medical Health, uh, or um, and and to the CHRB uh, transcripts or whatnot from from those meetings to uh, determine whether uh, uh, certain calls were made and how certain calls were made. I mean, interesting. We live in America, right? So freedom of speech. If somebody calls the LA County Medical and says, you know, we're not we're, we're concerned for health reasons um, about what's going on in Santa Anita. That's one thing, um, but as we've seen, uh, sometimes when people speak in public, at let's say the CHRB meeting, they may be, may or may not be using facts that may or may not be true. Um, and if that is the case, especially with the LA County Medical Office, uh, then there may be a, a, a tortious action uh, that could come out of it. I will. Um, I'm not, a, I'm not 100 sure, but again. I, I know that some people want to want to look into it, and, and not saying that anything nefarious has, has occurred. Um, I just you know with, with the the severity of shutting down Santa Anita and the amount of money uh, at, that that has is going to be lost, not just from from the tracks, not just from the owners, but now we're talking about trainers, we're talking about backstretch workers, we're talking about uh, a host of of, of, of economic um, calamity, if you will, from the ecosystem. Um, we uh we certainly need to look into it.
1: And to me, the key point. I mean, there's economic calamity going on everywhere, but we're looking at a situation to me where, since the people who are actually taking care of the animals are there anyway, it's not making things two percent, one percent safer, and your it it puts it in serious danger of becoming an animal welfare issue as well. The way that I see it.
5: Yeah, and I I can't disagree with you. We we on that issue. And we had talks at the TOC level and talks with the racetrack regarding just the ethical issues of whether we, we should be running and going through all of the different elements of that, right? And, and because of going through such an unprecedented times, and, and we know a lot of people are suffering economic uh, issues right now, um, and we don't want to certainly put ourselves a, a, as special um, or singular in this, but, but you're right. We, we, we are agriculture. These are live animals. They need to be cared for twenty four seven, and and we have been making the argument that the same people in the morning are there in the afternoon, um, and that ecosystem, the economic engine that runs that ecosystem, happens in the afternoon. Yeah. Um, and so and there are nineteen pages, or that there's fourteen pages of exempted businesses in the state of California. There's a laundry list, there's of the cannabis business. There's there's a lot of them, and it and it's a lot under the same thing, which is what businesses could operate that need or need to be operated that can keep some economic engine going. Um, and like you said, because they're already there in the morning, it did seem like we would fall under that exception. And, and I don't know that we don't, uh, all politics are local. So you really have a local decision, um, being made right now. And because we're sort of in, 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 a real wacky world, uh, nobody from Sacramento really wants to step in to sort of make single us out as as being exempt, and when I'm sure they're getting phone calls from 75 other industries, that's when it's
1: sure. It's it's super complicated. I get that, and I also understand as much as it pained me to see Keeneland pull the ripcord, especially as early as they did. A meet like that, where you've got people coming in from different places, and I could see it more. Whereas in a contained ecosystem like the circuits in California, I was hoping. It would be okay now. When we saw Aiden Butler on the Fox shows over the weekend, I would describe him as wildly optimistic about racing being resumed. It sounds at Santa Anita anyway. It sounds like you're feeling a little more cautious about it. But what? How can you characterize the steps? You mentioned the Freedom of Information Act request, getting that information. What body? Who would have to adjudicate this situation? Uh, and, and how quickly can that happen?
5: Uh, from what I understand, at, at, for, for Santa Anita, um, that the L.A. County has uh, told us that they will co- reconsider the request. Uh, we're not exactly sure on the timetable. I okay. think it's going to be in the next couple of weeks. Um, and so for now, we're kind of in a, in a standing period, uh, trying to put together a model that shows the county health uh, director that we are taking all measures that we can to socially distance um and operate in a way that is that is safe from a health standpoint. Um, and we're hopeful when we get that meeting to readdress the situation that it comes 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 out positive. Uh, I, I think Aiden, who's been just absolutely tremendous during this whole time and, and last year, he's really been a breath of fresh fresh air out here. His optimism came from his productive dialogues with the county. Um, and he was under the impression that there could be steps that we could take to um, pull back uh, the notice. Um, and so he, he's he been working on them um, and continues to work on them. And it does give you some hope uh, that when they readdress, uh, they, might, they might allow Santa Anita to continue operating. In the
1: Fing- fingers and toes crossed on that front. Now, I want to bring really why I first thought of talking to you today. I mean, obviously Santa Anita was going to come up, but... I wanted to talk to you just a little bit more generally about this difficult time and what it means for horse ownership. I understand this is something that you've been uh, thinking a lot about and, and I wanted you to be able to share the direction of your brain with our, our listeners. We have a lot of industry people and a lot of racing fans. What does this mean for, for horse ownership right now?
5: Well, it, it's interesting. We, we We waited a couple of days to talk to our partners because we figured everybody was was going through a lot and and during that time we actually kept getting a ton of emails um who people just wanted to know how their horses were doing and and make sure their horses were being cared for um so from a horse ownership standpoint uh i think for us having some type of stability is is best and during this are we going to open not open should we be breathing horses it really presents a lot of issues so there's almost a little bit of stability in knowing that racetracks may be closed for an extended period of time uh especially seeing the light at the end of the tunnel where Keeneland may put in for some july dates and with saratoga and, and, and del mar um you can sort of manage your stables a little bit better aiming for what could be the best summer seen and racing in years um, that would be helpful um but, and I can, but I can tell you, we, this, we're at April 2nd, right? So we've got a long way to go. And we have owners whose who's businesses are, are, are probably going through a lot. Um, and and we're, we're a little bit concerned that while they're worried about paying their mortgages, are, are they, is the horse bill going to be the last thing that they, they can pay? So we're certainly uh, thinking about that a lot, talking to our partners. Um I can tell you that you know also breaking news that I, I saw this morning from from another trainer and I can tell you from from our trainer, Phil Demato, uh, we spoke to him this morning about all of these issues. and he has agreed for it to to grant us a sizable discount, um, a dramatic reduction in our day rate over the next uh, sixty to ninety days to help us uh, keep horses in training so that when horse racing, uh, begins again and i'm hoping it could be you know within a couple of weeks but if it is a, an extended period of time not just here but at naira and and in kentucky um that trainers are going to help us uh keep our horses in training uh and in a position to really um be ready for uh, what could be that great summer
1: Put yourself in the shoes of an owner in another circuit where maybe racing isn't happening now. What kind of tough decisions are they are they looking at making? What type of options do they have?
5: I, I've been speaking to a lot of owners, not just in California, but around the country, and, and that's very much on their minds. And, and these are owners that I, I would put in the more the haves and the have-nots, uh, but even them, if they have 25 horses or 35 horses, they're all saying to me, three months of, of no racing and no income, I I'm probably going to have to retire the bottom 10 or 15 or 20% of my horses. Uh, cause they're just, I, I look at the, what they could earn over the next uh, over the six months of racing, uh, starting until July one, and it doesn't make economic sense. Um, and it doesn't sound like a lot to a guy who has 50 horses to dump 10, but, you look at tracks and field size now, if, you, if field size goes down 10% or 15% summer, 20%, that's a snowball effect and a dramatic one that, that we want to try to avoid. Um, so I, I think that's what's going on in their head and and, and doing what, what Phil is doing. And I, and I hear Doug O'Neill is doing the same thing here. That maybe that can snowball to other trainers around the country to reduce that day rate um, and make it economically manageable for these owners to keep horses in the game during this period I think it's going to go an absolute long way to stabilizing uh, the industry.
1: That's, I mean, for them to take the haircut essentially for the greater good of the business, it's uh, it's not something that's easy to ask people to do. But it does seem like a, a potential way forward. What's happening to these horses that are that are leaving these strings? Are 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 they just fine? You know, selling them for less than they they a lot less than they were worth yeah. months ago, yeah. or what's what what's that process look like?
5: Uh, Peter, I write, this is all a fluid and, and, and new situation that's 7 to, to 10 days old. I can tell you that I'm getting calls every single day that about horses that are for sale. Um, I don't know. I, I, I don't know what they're doing. I don't, I don't know um, the exact situation or if any of these decisions have, have been made. But I, if we talk 30 or 60 days from now, uh, I think we, we may be looking at trying to subsidize more of the Uh, Organizations like Karma that will need to find homes for a lot of uh, potentially retired horses.
1: That makes sense, and I know I am asking you to hit a moving target with all these questions, and I really do appreciate your willingness to to sit here and do your best, even when the answers are 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 unknown, not only unknown but unknowable at this stage. So, we'll. It's obviously something we'll loop back and get to. As you were talking about the how racing is going to continue to change here the racing that has continued it's been impossible not to be impressed by some of the, the handle numbers, particularly on smaller cards. And do you think that that between seeing we're sort of de facto seeing the benefits of consolidation in a weird, in a weird way, you know, I'm no economist, but when you see the pro the early week product and what these races are handling, and obviously it's, a whole ecosystem of gambling is different with racing being the the, the thing that's uh, continuing able to bet on. But it does seem to me that you, we might be headed towards a world where we see rather than tracks, all the best tracks and all the mid-level tracks even putting so much of their best racing from 4 to 6 p.m. on a Saturday where we see some, a different way of doing business with the better meets maybe staggered, not just in terms of times of the year, but maybe also days of the week and, and times of day. When you put your futurist hat on, do you, do you see this as a potential sea change uh, for racing in terms of its history and the way that racing is run in America?
5: Yeah, I mean, we've seen this sort of in the last couple of years, this contraction of the business and how to handle it. Uh, you look at great race meets around the world um, and you start thinking maybe America would look better than than the five days a week racing at 50 different tracks at these specialized meets like a Keeneland or a Del Mar Saratoga spread out uh, during the year. It um, may be forced to do that from, from a need standpoint, when you have less horses um, it's prudent to run less, less days. If, if you have X X horses should run X days, and, if, and it shouldn't matter how many days it is. Your horse should be actually running to a decent purse uh, if you can work on it economically. So if you can contract a little bit and have these boutique great meats spread out through the year, uh, it would for actually more attractive racing from a fan standpoint. Um, I don't know how it works economically from all these tracks. Right? Tracks may, you know, but it may just happen naturally with tracks not sustainable anymore uh, in certain areas. And you you hate to see that. I mean, I grew up with, I had my own track go down out here in Southern California with Hollywood Park. So it's it's not fun to watch. Um, At the same time, when you're looking at creating a model going forward, uh, these boutique meets. Uh, could actually add more 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 revenue all the way around.
1: You think of some of these places that are such great facilities that can get a little bit lost in the shuffle and you wonder if there was a time on the calendar when, you know, not just for one afternoon in the summer that an Arlington Park could thrive or, you know, Monmouth does well and obviously a, you know, I'm a huge fan of Monmouth and the product they put on now at times rises to, to a very high level, but you wonder what they could do if there was a, a festival period that they could just own as part of what they were offering. It, it, it's a lot of food to, for thought.
5: It, it would, it would be amazing. I, I off the top of my head, it, it strikes me as almost impossible in certain places because is Arlington going to be able to sustain the Twelve months a year if they're only running two months a year, right? So I don't know if it works for the track operator. I wish it would. I mean, you really could create uh, a a circuit, if you will, a year-round league, like you said, like Mondays and Tuesdays, certain places or certain times of the year, and just create an absolutely attractive product.
1: It's something to think about. Obviously, it's tricky. You got to get people to work together, and then you get people to work together, and then somebody's going to be in a horribly unenviable position of telling. Certain people, you know, it was probably consolidation. You mentioned Hollywood Park. Probably there's other places that wouldn't fit into this plan at all. And, you know, I'd never want to be the guy who has to tell other people that they can't uh, do the job that they love. I'm not saying it's easy. I get that there, there's a lot to it. But it's It's something, if we want to think about uh, the future in of racing, it's a, it's a, it's a way we can, it's a, it's a direction to go in, that's for sure.
5: Yeah, no, Peter, in the last few years, nobody has ever wanted to do that, even if we had a centralized office. I don't think anybody wanted to make that decision. It just gave me made for us, right, with the lack of horses uh, that we could be seeing over the next year.
1: From an owner's point of view, and I know I've already kept you longer than I said I was going to, so I'll, I promise I'll wrap it up soon, but from an owner's point of view, how else do you, do you view a time like this where there's just so much uncertainty? What are some of the other things that, that are going through your head
5: Nope, that's pretty much it right now, (laughs) (laughs) here. haven't been able to spend a lot of time with my four-year-old and six-year-old over the last couple of weeks. I know everybody's getting caught up on on Netflix shows, so that's pretty much (laughs) all that's been going on. (laughs) That's plenty.
1: That's absolutely plenty.
5: From from a real hopeful standpoint, now that we have a little bit of clarity over what could happen over the next couple of months, I, I don't know that getting your horses a little bit of a break decompressing them over the next 30 days and then gearing them up for a tremendous summer. Isn't something to really be on everybody's minds and and, and to look forward to.
1: Well, let's hope that we, we can have racing by, by this summer. It would be amazing. Um, at at least behind closed doors and who knows, maybe we can get part of a Saratoga, part of a Del Mar. There's so much unknown. I wouldn't, uh, you know insist that it was going to happen you know we've heard some some scary uh hypotheses out there and no the reality is that nobody really knows but it but it sure is nice to think about us being able to get out to those uh, those summer meets and, and and the party that we're going to have when all of this is over and hopefully we'll get to have one uh, in person not too far after that time comes whenever it is
5: Peter we we are already looking into LRF math for all of our partners this summer. Um, so we, we just hope we get a chance, chance to out.
1: Oh, my goodness gracious. Gary Fenton, thank you so much for your time today. And that's going to do it for this edition of the show. would like to spend, send special thanks, of course, to Naomi Tucker for her fine contributions. Thanks also to Lacey Gaudette, Sheldon Russell, and, of course, Gary Fenton. Really nice to be able to get another one of these shows up and running. It's been uh, a trying time, of course, <laughs> here at the network to uh, basically turn it from a money-making operation into one that's essentially pro bono. But it's good to get to connect with the listeners out there and rock and roll. And That's the plan anyway. This show has been a production of In the Money Media. Our business manager is Drew Coatney. Our chief creative officer is Jonathan Kinchen. I'm Peter Thomas Fornital. Can't even think about the sales right now, so we're going to put that idea on hold for the sign off. And instead, we're just going to go with be safe and be strong. <laughs>